Welcome to the MA Stories Podcast. I'm Robert Heaton, and each week I will be joined by my co-host, Toby Tester. In these podcast episodes, our intention is for Toby and I to draw on case studies and our own experiences to bring you, the listener, valuable insights into the good, the bad, and the ugly of M&A integration. We hope you enjoy these episodes and we hope that it will bring you valuable insights on how you can improve your M&A projects in the future. Thanks for listening. Let's get this underway. Well, Robert, look, it's uh, great chatting to you again this week. And you know, it's funny really because Last week, we started to talk about a really important topic that we both got experience in common, and that's around IP and just how important IP is as part of any M&A activity, whether it's pre-deal, but in particular post-deal. Now, we were sharing a couple of stories, and um, you said you actually had a really good story. You had some particular experience around this uh, that you'd like to share. So why don't we let everybody know your particular story? about IP and just how important it is to make sure it's properly secured as part of an M&A deal. Yeah, thanks, Toby. I'd love to. And as you know, a lot of my experience has been in the software industry, and that software is the primary IP. So one of the key factors that the software industry always has to take care of is that when you're dealing with IP, it goes way beyond physical location legal and financial ownership of the IP. Yes, it's really important because you need to be able to put your finger on it in some way to say, well, what is this IP we're getting? Explain it to me. Yeah, and in fact, funnily enough, that's, uh, I, I remember a humorous situation. I was with SAP at headquarters in Heidelberg in Germany, yeah. and I was actually talking to Hasso Plattner, who's the chairman and CEO of SAP, the question I asked was, well, what exactly do we deliver to our customers? Uh, and with a twinkle in his eye, he just turned around and said, well, about 14 CDs worth 20 Deutschmarks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course, that, that was the, basically, that's what, we, that's what we delivered to our yeah. customers. But uh, yeah. of course, in reality, the value that was on those CDs was, was worth millions. Yes. Um, yeah, but so yeah, the, the CDs themselves are 20 Deutschmarks, but of course, what's on yeah. those? Millions, and that's the idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, it, it probably a good segue into another point that I'll make as we go through this, and that is that in the software industry, it's not unusual to give access to your IP. In other words, the source code of your software, so that major customers and partners can include modifications and enhancements that are industry specific. But I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll come back to how that needs to be traced. Yeah, it's an area you've got to be careful about because usually you don't give the source code out. Uh, I can see no. for major customers you might, but generally speaking, you don't. Well, the, the challenge, of course, is that your IP is who you are and, and you want to protect it at a at all times and so the minute you start giving it out to other people you want to make sure that those protections extend 
to the people that uh, that, have, that have got access to it. But mm. I'll I'll come back to that. The particular example that I wanted to talk about today was uh, I'd moved on from SAP and I was part of the senior leadership team at JD Edwards in the US. <clears throat> and we're going back now to 1999. And if you recall at that time, supply chain was the latest and to particularly supply chain optimization. And, and what I mean is software that could bring all of the operational factors of your business together mm. and uh, actually compute the most effective and efficient outcomes that allowed you to manufacture at the lowest cost of manufacture, but at the same time, yeah. um, deliver everything that your customers ask for on time. Key measure that the industry uses called DIFOT. DIFOT, yes, I've come across yeah. that one before, that acronym. It, yeah. the, deliveries in full on time. So um, JD Edwards had seen this startup business that was working in the supply chain area. The, the claims they were making is that they developed sophisticated algorithms that could do supply chain optimization. And for JD Edwards point of view, this fast tracked uh, our ability to include that sort of capability in the software and it notably would give us a competitive advantage over SAP. Right. So just to so, sort of, so really what they were doing is they wanted to get these fabulous algorithms, put it into their software, and they basically have this great competitive advantage um, over yeah. others, and SAP in particular. Yeah, I get it. Uh, uh, absolutely. Um, okay. And, um, you know, the, there, was, there was quite a bit of, communication going backwards and forwards there was a fair bit of due diligence was done and, and i was present at the time when the owners of this business gave a number of presentations to the leadership team and demonstrations of the software and i have to say that they were impressive demonstrations right um, and you know the, the box was ticked and we closed the deal and I was actually appointed as stand-in CEO for a while to oversee the integration. The idea was that we were going to take that software, integrate it into JD Edwards' own product, and we were going to move certain key people over to our headquarters in Denver. And uh, that was the plan. And I can still see in my mind's eye, I was in a management meeting one particular afternoon Mm -hmm. And our chief technology officer literally burst through the door, no uh, apologies or anything, with a very alarmed look on his face. And um, he managed to blurt out that there was two major showstoppers that he'd found. Now, the, the first one was bad enough. That was that he'd been digging into the source code. So he'd gone right down to the grassroots of the software. Okay. And the reason why he was doing that was because he wanted to see where the most appropriate join points would be mm -hmm. to link it in with JD Edwards' own software code. Right. And, and what he uncovered was a lot of bugs in the software. Now, right. That's not that's always not, surprising. 
No, it's not. In the, t- in the tech industry, that's not surprising. But however, what you do in the tech industry when you come across bugs is you take that line of code out and you rewrite it. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a bit like if you're typing a document and you make a spelling mistake, you go yep. back and correct it. In this case, what they've done is simply band-aided it. Right. Um, <clears throat> now, the, the challenge that creates is that those band-aids are never secure. Mm-hmm. So that, those bugs are just going to reappear and, and it, it has a, a massive effect on the quality of the software and the way it operates. Right. Still, that wasn't the worst horror on that particular afternoon. Um, what my CTO blurted out was the fact that uh, there were no algorithms in this software at all. Um, we're, <laughs> okay. <we're, clears throat> these algorithms were supposed to be the heart and soul of what we just acquired. And it turns out that what was there in their place was an Excel spreadsheet driving some PowerPoint slides. Now, Robert, I've got to stop you there. This couldn't have been a very good afternoon. It was I, I, not a good day. Uh, definitely not a good day. And uh, I, I do know that when I when I picked the phone up to call my CEO, yes. um, I, I actually ended up having to hold the phone about three feet away from my ear because he was screaming so loud. <laughs> I, I, I should actually ask, how much was actually paid for this business? <laughs> you don't have to tell um, me. Well, it was it was certainly more than 100. I can tell wow. you that. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, and of course, what the reality of what my CTO had just found uh, meant that uh, this business was actually worthless. You mean uh, totally worthless? Yeah, totally. I, I mean, the the term that we often use in the software industry is smoke and mirrors. Well, I've heard that one before. <laughs> and, and, and that's essentially, you know, where where we expected to see sophisticated algorithms yes driving do, doing the job they're supposed to do yes. and driving you know really strong out outcomes and giving you projections of how to improve your default yes. all, all, all all that was there was a simple excel spreadsheet that was producing graphs in powerpoint I'm interested in this. Was it like um, sort of like was Excel being sort of like was it a macro or some sort or was it some sort of program that sort of just ran yeah. Excel behind the scenes and then it it just punched out some graphs onto PowerPoint? In in, in essence, yes. Wow. Okay, yeah. that's worth a lot of millions of dollars. <laughs> Hundred million, what you, well, what you said. Uh, <laughs> well, well, you know, what once we had the usual meetings at leadership level and. Um, yes. Uh, then we unlocked the cage that we kept our lawyers in because, uh, right. you know, this this was fraud by by any level. Really? Uh, okay. Okay. So it was really it was it was fraud. Uh, yeah, I, I mean it, it, that's the hard fact of it. If I actually look at it, what I think they were trying to do was they produced this software, uh, put the Excel spreadsheet and the PowerPoint in there so that they could show a concept and and use that as a way of uh, raising capital in order to grow the business. And and somewhere in there, somebody conveniently forgot 
that it was still conceptual and it became real. Robert, do you think it's one of these sort of situations, quite common in Silicon Valley, for example, that you fake it until you make it? There's the degree of that, most definitely. And that's accepted to a certain degree. So you mm. want to be able to show concepts from a software point of view, but you've also got to make a disclaimer and say that at this stage it's development and it's not, you know, released for use. Right. Okay. Um, uh, again, you know, I'm just reminded of funny phrases. Uh, I remember watching some very impressive software in SAP at one time. And yeah. I turned around to the development director and I said, wow, I said, what, what's it written in? Expecting you to come back with some sort of technical language. And he just looked at me and said, well, PowerPoint right now. <laughs> <laughs> because that's all it was. It, it was a collection of PowerPoint slides yeah. put together to resemble the screens yeah. But what, what you can do with that as a concept, yeah. you can then give it develop to developers and um, say, right, you write me some code that does that. Yeah. Right. So anyway, <laughs> but uh, yeah, in this case, in this case, that um, that had got all the way through to the end game, if you like. So tell me, uh, Robert, uh, obviously a pretty bad afternoon. If I summarize, you've got the attack dogs out and uh, let yep. them loose. Yep. Uh, yep. Case of fraud. How did it all end up? Well, look, from, from Jenny Edwards' point of view, there was a legal case. I'm not quite sure what happened to the original owners of that business, but um, right. uh, certainly there was a lot of people left with egg on their face. And I, was, I bet. Uh, I mean, you, one way or another, you were implicated in, in, in the... By um, association, I was one of them. association. It can be like uh, that, can't it, you know? Yeah. You, By but, merely being a messenger, sometimes you know that that's enough. Um, yep, I I was part of the senior leadership team, yes. and you know that all for one, one for all. Well, that applies on yeah. both sides of the fence, either uh, in terms of benefit or or taking the blame or, or being held Indeed. accountable. Indeed, you know it's a it's a really interesting story, Robert, because it is one, as you say, right up front. Um, you know, smoke and mirrors. There is an element, obviously, in the, in the software industry, particularly of cutting corners. I say fake it until you make it. But it's kind of like giving the best possible position. But, you know, it's not really like that. But in this particular case, it all went through through to an acquisition, millions and millions of dollars handed over. And in, actual, in the end, the algorithms weren't there and it became a legal case. And there was subsequent millions and millions of dollars being refunded as a result. It sounds like a fascinating story. Uh, Robert, but maybe if you could just summarise, what are the, the big four, the big four things that you took away from this and you would say to others who are involved in anything similar? Look, I, I, I think, first of all, when you're dealing with IP like software, and, and by the way, this also applies to other industries like electronics industry or chemical mm. industry, yes, or even the pharmaceutical industry. Right? Yes. It, you've got to go way beyond the physical presence and the legal and financial ownership of IP. Yes. Um, in, in, in some of those industries, and I say I'm using software as the example, it's the quality of that IP that's important. Yes. And that means getting under the covers and going right down to the source code. Indeed. It's basically being able to trace it. 
you know, if I think about the chemical industry, you'd want to go right back to the chemical formulae yes. that are driving the product. And I think the point you made earlier, if I recall, was that you've got to be able to go down to sufficient detail that you can then assemble the IP to create the product. Correct. If you can't do, if you can't do that, there's a link missing somewhere. Indeed. So in other words, for anybody who's listened to this, it's really making sure that all the assets that are coming across as part of the acquisition, every one of those assets can be used to recreate the product. And if you can't yes. recreate the product, then you don't. So you don't have control you, over the IP. You don't have control. Correct. Yeah. And I think the third point is that, again, in those sort of industries, your ability to deliver the IP can be vested in in specific people. Right. Um, and so if you're making an acquisition where software or chemical formula or or, or engineering know-how is is part of the deal, then mm-hmm. you want to you want to identify who those people are and make damn sure they're retained as part of the process. Indeed. Indeed. Um, I agree with that one. <clears throat> yeah. And then the last point, as I mentioned earlier, in some industries, and the software industry does this a lot, the source code is actually made available to customers or partners so that they can do their own enhancements. And whilst that's done regularly, um, and it's normally protected by some sort of agreement, once you've made an acquisition, it's important that you track all of those instances where the IP has been made available and make sure that the mechanisms for IP protection are sound and solid. And the last right. thing you want is a road piece of IP out there that you've got no knowledge of or no control of. Indeed, indeed. You know, Robert, that, that's, I must admit on reflection, that's a very mm. interesting story. Um, you know, lots of drama. Um, lots of <laughs> fortunate things happening, yeah. Um, yeah. and particularly yeah. one very bad afternoon where, in actual fact, you all realised that deal you thought you had it was going to be all wonderful IP, and actual fact, didn't actually exist. You know, there's a point that's just come to my mind here. That is, yeah. you and I have talked about this before, and yeah. that is that when you're in post-deal activities, uh, attention to detail is paramount. If if you're yeah. not getting down to the nuts and bolts, then you're you're not doing your job properly. The but, devil is in know, the detail, I'm afraid, you know. <laughs> it, 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 most, it most certainly is. And, you know, the other thought that's just crossed my mind is going back to this particular case. Yeah. Why on earth did those owners think they could get away with it? Why on earth did they think that they could present Excel spreadsheets and PowerPoints as being the so-called algorithms because we were going to find out i find that fascinating robert they must have been very good presenters you know they must have been very slick when they um did their uh, presentations to the management team well they, they were um we, we we got the smoke and mirrors but if you think about it we were at fault because we assumed that because we'd seen that demonstration that the algorithms were there yeah and you know, I, I think one of the things you and I have talked about, and, and it's one of the values of having good finance and legal people, if, if you ever talk to a finance person or a legal person about anything like this, they won't accept it until they can physically see it. Correct. Um, and in, in our case, I think 
uh, a number of people who weren't finance people and who weren't lawyers saw it and thought whoopee do this is great stuff yep uh, and of course we got burnt well indeed in actual fact i i got just one very briefly one um similar sort of example from um a due diligence exercise that i was involved in and we actually set up a team to take all the code from this acquisition and go ahead and see if we could recompile it all and uh, create the products associated with the uh, the deal. And um, that was a very interesting experience because sure enough, we didn't have all the IP. And so we get asked for more and more objects from the uh, seller and of course that all got included in the deal, uh, in the sale agreement until we got to the point whereby we had got it all totally pinned down, all the things that were required to recreate the product. So um, that was a good experience. So anyway, yeah. Robert, um, really interesting topic, um, a complex topic, but a very important one, the whole area of IP due diligence. So look, what can I say? Thanks for everybody for listening to this podcast. Look, I hope it's been interesting um, and useful for yourselves in terms of experience, should you be in a similar situation. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, stay safe, stay focused and uh, make the best of this most unusual situation. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye for now.